Um, so this is episode number 11 of the Prodigy podcast. Uh, my name is Hassan. If you don't know me already, then welcome. Uh, on today's episode, we've got Matt Benyon. Matt, if you don't know him already, is, well, the the probable phase is probably has got his fingers in a lot of pies, hmm. um, or some way of putting it like that. Um, he's uh, obviously Dre BJJ himself, Black Belt himself, and as well as that, uh is the genius some is part of the genius behind um one of the top well i say uk coming out of the uk but international bjj brand scramble uh the awesome show that is polaris that we're going to be talking about a bit today as well um and uh the quintet polaris team and uh as well as that um is it battle bomb now Cave bomb I'm making, yeah. <laughs> Cave bomb, yeah, as well. So you just just can't stop, can you, Matt? <laughs> that's right, yeah. I don't like to sit still for very long. Actually, that's not true. I love sitting still, but yeah, always busy. <laughs> always busy finding something mm. to do, at least, or plan, planning or plotting mm. something if you think it's sitting still. <laughs> um, so the first thing I wanted to ask you was kind of when you kind of Polaris 13... Mm-hmm. And just that kind of title, has that kind of gone from like being a really good word to being quite a frustrating word and then gone back to being quite a good word yeah. now in terms of kind of what you associate with that? Yeah, event? I would probably just want to get this number 13 out of the way. But uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was due to be our first ever Grand Prix with a big, with a big cash prize and loads of like international competitors first time rolling out a new competition rule set and was really excited about it and then yeah we had to can it because of coronavirus um that in itself was was really stressful because we couldn't actually couldn't officially cancel anything until the government cancelled it you know otherwise otherwise we'd lose all of our pre-booked and prepaid things do you know what i mean like if we, if, yeah, yeah was, if we cancelled it off our own backs, it would just look like we were the ones cancelling. So we had to wait until the last minute for the government to declare an emergency. Then we could cancel it. Yeah, it was literally wait. It, it was like Boris Johnson had to cancel. Pretty much, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so we didn't really know what we were doing for a while. We just postponed everything, and now we've, um, yeah, we've we've gone ahead and put in put out a really decent. Uh, card of just uk-based athletes that will be happening behind closed doors next week so this kind of i mean uh is polaris's first venture into grand prix mm. into that grand prix format um what kind of made you uh or what made made you decide to go for that grand prix format now what what was the kind of uh, thought process behind that uh <clears throat> there's a few reasons one of them um i think we all like the sort of narrative that uh, builds up over a Grand Prix. Um, you know, the viewers can follow through the first round, second round, final. Um, we also had, you know, like the world of professional jiu-jitsu is kind of weird where uh, people, uh, rightly or not, are asking for a lot of money uh, to be on the show. And yeah, it was kind of getting to a point where to have all of those guys on the show and pay each each person a, a fee that they're asking for, we'd be out of business like like a lot of the shows are. So yeah, the course. GP is a sort of a way where like 
the prize money's big. I think it was twenty thousand US dollars we were, we were doing for the international one. Um, yeah. uh, we dropped it to ten thousand for the UK one, but that's still a massive chunk of money for anyone, you know. I mean, for any athlete, ten thousand pounds in in essentially one yeah. go is a uh, no small no small no price. It's huge. But um, we we were also we didn't want it to be. Uh, you know, you have to win the whole thing or you go home empty-handed because I don't think we could call ourselves professional jiu-jitsu if we weren't, you know, treat, treating them as yeah. professionals. So we've, we've sort of got a balance. You know, everybody gets uh, a fee just for turning up, a, 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 a cash just for turning up, and then there's a big prize on the line. So I think, I think it's a good balance between uh, between the two. But then also the good thing is you only you only get people that are confident or crazy enough to think they can win it. So yeah uh, that that's probably the unofficial tagline isn't <laughs> it uh, are they confident or crazy or yeah. both yeah it's interesting the mind of an athlete for sure mm. yeah and i mean in terms of kind of uh the the lineup you've got there there's such a variety of athletes that kind of have been drawn in and i know you've had quite a last minute change as well in terms of bradley hill stepping in and taking a place as well um and filling a yeah. spot so kind of the i guess that's part of the narrative that you kind of were talking about in terms of really kind of drawing the audience mm-hmm. in and uh making making it even more exciting than like or there's so many kind of uk favorites i mean it's essentially if you kind of if you uh interviewed most kind of uh uk jiu jitsu mm. fans they they probably most of these names would come up when they uh discuss like some of the fan favorites yeah so what is it was there any kind of uh is there any kind of people out that people in that kind of match in those matchups that you think oh, i'll be really excited to see those fights or kind of is there is there anyone who kind of was like straight away as soon as they heard that there was rumor of a grand prix mm. they put their name forward they said right get me on it yeah um all of those things we had uh, i'm really really excited <laughs> to see uh the whole event actually um yeah i got i got uh well i got suspicions about who might end up in the finals but but that's the beautiful thing about it you know it could be a complete upset pretty much every, every yeah, yeah everybody I mean, on there has on a good day can can win it i think and i mean the the, the interesting thing there as well is that with this kind of under under ninety kilograms um, Grand Prix, you've got people who are obviously the slightly bigger guys. You've got Tom Breeze on mm. there, uh, you've got Fred on there, kind of, and then you've got people like Shane, mm-hmm. Dominic mm-hmm. Dillon, Ro- even Ross, who's mm-hmm. who are the kind of slightly smaller guys, and yet it, you know, every, everyone can have the lock, be the Lachlan Giles and take out, yeah. be a bit of a giant killer. Yeah. Uh, so. It, it does provide a really, you know, really interesting narrative. Yeah, and I, I think, um, yeah, uh, it's not quite open weight because we put that 90 kilo limit on it. So, but yeah, there yeah. will be a few weight disparities. But um, for, yeah, go and on. I was just going to ask, and in terms of kind of, uh, was it was it particular 90 kilograms because you had some athletes in mind or i can't remember now i think um we really wanted we really <laughs> wanted to get ross back on because um he hasn't been on the show for a while but and he's arguably you know the, the most well-known uk athlete um 
I can't remember now. I think I think he might have. You know, he probably didn't want to jump in with a hundred and ten kilo or something like that. But I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't remember the exact reason for it. I think we just ch- thought that ninety would be a good weight to set it at. Yeah, you're you're not dealing with like uh, too 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 large a guy if you've kind of gone for under ninety kilos. Um, so the other fight that you've got on there is obviously uh, Jed versus yeah. Dinu, um as a rematch. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that that was kind of being called for straight like that that needed to happen mm-hmm. essentially and people really wanted to see that fight and jed being a name that kind of especially in the past year or so yeah. um ever since the polaris uh i'm say polaris challengers now but i don't think i've got the contenders mm-hmm. that's it um and that was i mean that was like a really great way of promoting maybe those who uh just on the cusp of competing on shows such as polaris yeah well the we were we, with the contenders we sort of wanted to make a clear route to get onto the show basically because it was you know we we get asked we get messaged daily about getting onto the show and it it's a kind of weird mix of like it's people that we know or people that us or tatami sponsor you know like it's just a starting point isn't it if you're looking for people yeah. as well as you know people that we know are exciting or good but I think the plan with contenders was to have them quite regularly and then have a pool of winners that we could draw on, you know, for to bring onto the show. But coronavirus has made has kind of killed a lot of plans. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it it must be difficult given when I mean, we go back to like kind of the original Grand Prix hmm. of and and we're seeing it. You know, it, it's not just kind of on this side of the pond; it's the other as well. Hmm. Um, at the start anyway obviously there have been some events that have been able to run um in the u.s a bit more um the things that submission underground and things like mm. that but um kind of seeing a lot of competitions pause yeah i guess it's giving you guys you know positives and negatives you you know you're able to reflect i guess on what you guys want to do next with polaris yeah. but uh yeah. as well as that, i mean it's it's, it's very much a like a passion project at the moment because we we all have uh, other full-time jobs with uh, staff employed, you know, like Scramble and Tatami, who are the yeah. co-owners. It's, it was almost like a temporary relief, you know. We were like, right, we can't do Polaris for a while, so we were able to, you know, it was just a thing that we didn't have to worry about for a while, which was nice in a way, but we're definitely keen to get it, get it going again. And then um, I think we've always done things a little bit differently to other shows anyway. You know, that's, I think at some point soon we'll probably become one one of the longest running ones because people just fall away you know they get sidetracked or they realize that they're not going to make as much money as they thought they might and you know yeah. what were the um kind of i mean what what made you kind of consider starting polaris what because it's like you say it's um kind of the team that you already had around mm. you as well as i'm sure many kind of many others that have been brought in to uh help produce essentially the show yeah. um but what 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 kind of inspired you guys to decide that you were going to go down what is uh a, and quite a difficult route like you say you know you see uh, a lot of shows come up and then fall by the wayside mm. because of the kind of the cost the organization of it mm. all um 
just like the kind of general expenses and uh, the stress and the <laughs> the time that you need to put in to run uh, quite a large event when you realize just even having 10 fights, how many competitors and coaches yeah, and things it's like insane. that. It's insane. The logistics of running a show are absolutely mind-blowing. I think we did the first, I don't know, seven or eight on our own, you know, before we hired any kind of stuff. Sorry, anyway, um, you say, why did we start it? Yeah. We, got to be honest, Meta Morris was a huge inspiration. I remember buying the pay-per-view and watching that at about three o'clock in the morning in the office um, and just seeing how cool it could be. And then we, I think we we were initially going to do a small scale tournament, you know, where we we were going to invite people. I think it was going to be paid to enter, and then, you know, you, the winner would take some money. But it was just sort of bubbling away in the background. And I think Tatami was thinking a similar thing. We just went over this in a, in another podcast last week. We and me and Ben, my business partner at Scramble, went out to Lisbon for the Europeans met up with Tatami at a very boozy evening and that was it. We were like, let's do it. And then within a, within a few weeks, we suddenly had, we're doing a show. Yeah. Was it literally like, written on the back of a beer mat? Pretty almost? much. Yeah. A Johnny Walker, black <laughs> label mat. Yeah. Oh, that's what I like here. Whiskey as <laughs> oh, well. God. Yeah. Gareth still hasn't recovered. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Kind of when you, uh, when you're looking at now, kind of this show, and you're thinking about the the things that kind of surround it in terms of uh, it's going to be a bit different mm-hmm. logistically. Kind of obviously dealing with all the medics around as yeah. well with the, uh, the coronavirus stuff. Um, how has that been? Have you kind of found it kind of easier in some ways to adapt because you don't have to worry about an audience and things like that? Um... I'd say I say the the easier part is just that we're dealing with UK athletes, so um, yeah, that makes our lives a lot easier. Um, the audience not being there that doesn't really help us because uh, that was a good revenue stream for us. So. Of course, but, um, it's definitely a, a lower. Uh, I mean, usually we we put a lot of effort into the pre-event. Um, media like video and stuff like that uh we're mm-hmm. still going to do some uh mikey our video guy has, has filmed a few key athletes we, we just couldn't get around to everybody and you know some people are not uh, you know their gym is not open or whatever so um we'll still have some pre-event media but just the whole thing is just slightly uh slightly lower key than usual but it's still going to be a really good cut yeah, and I think, and I think actually, in some ways, in this kind of uh, uh, situation where you know you're not able to maybe produce as much media, or it's kind of kind of be almost like a quite raw mm. um, competition. Actually, the Grand Prix firm format actually kind of works with that even better because it does kind of induce mm. that uh, old school mentality, if you yeah, will, yeah. of the you know. And it, <laughs> I was about to say two men enter one man leave but kind <laughs> of like this kind of old school bracket anyone can win format yeah yeah it's still going to look really slick it's going to look and sound just as just as good as it ever has it's just the audience that's missing you know so if you're sat at home watching it on fight path it, it should look and sound 
like a regular show, you know, like all the other shows, it should be really good. And you might actually be able to hear similar to the kind of UFCs um, that we've been witnessing. Um, yeah, the commentators. <laughs> the coaches corner, the, the commentators a bit more. Yeah. Yeah, normally we fly Josh Palmer in from uh, from America, but he obviously we can't do that. So um, we've got Dan Hardy on comms, which is great, and Dan Strauss and Tom Barlow. Um, but yeah, I'm sure they they're going to become aware that their voices are sort of echoing around the room. <laughs> they're, 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 I think uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see if we get any kind of looks from the uh, competitors yeah. towards the referee, yeah. because you've. Got You've got a huge amount of jujitsu knowledge sitting behind the microphone, mm. so suddenly they they can hear them word for word. Yeah, but also we're being really strict about it. they're only allowed to bring one person. So yeah, overall I think yeah oh. it's going to be it's going to be quiet in there. But. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you touched on it a little bit. Obviously, scramble uh, was you could, we could describe it as your first baby in terms of kind of jujitsu related yeah, companies. Yeah. Um. I mean, kind of what uh, you've kind of solidified yourselves as a major jujitsu brand, but what what uh, drew you to uh, kind of starting something like a, essentially an apparel jujitsu uh, jujitsu gear um, creating company? Essentially, um, it was having lived in Japan for a few years and uh, just feeling that they were way ahead of of us when I when I came back to England and saw you know it was all like uh, I don't know I can't even remember the brands now but you know just bull Tap yeah exactly and yeah stuff like that. chains and barbed wire and bulldogs and stuff yeah <laughs> and uh, I initially started importing stuff from from Japan but the, the margins were tiny but it was it was good in the beginning like I had stuff that nobody else had I had reversal stuff and I had like BJJ Spirits DVD magazine and stuff like that that you couldn't get uh, easily anywhere else and um i yeah i was working in like an awful office job and just trying to build up the brand in the background um met up with my my school friend ben about six months into the project i think and he came on board um and we, yeah we were just like let's just make stuff that doesn't suck and uh it sold really well. Yeah, we were, I was pretty active on the forums back in the day. I think I can't even remember what the forum is called now. Uh, but you know, I'd post on there and get loads of comments, and people would buy. Uh, just and just built up from like within the community. You know, being being in being a jiu-jitsu person myself, it was fairly easy to to market to that community because I felt like I was a part of it. Yeah, I mean, when did you start jiu-jitsu yourself? Um, I think it was like 2004 or something in uh, in Australia. Mm-hmm. In Australia, mm. oh okay. Mm. Yeah, I moved moved and, there uh, and lived there for a couple of years. I was doing kung fu first of all, and uh, and then I watched Pride and realised that kung fu sucked, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I found a gym. It was in a it was a, a guy that used to roll like you know in the old school places where you used to have to take the mats out you know, before each class, yeah. he owned a weightlifting gym called Pump House. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I started at the Pump House, putting the mats on the floor. So w- I was going to say, what, I mean, people talk about Australian BJJ, but um, you don't hear anything um, quite that kind of 
quite that early. What was the state of Australian BJJ at that time? That's a good question. I wonder what the, what those guys were doing in Melbourne at that time. Um, I wonder what Absolute was doing there. No, it was it was mostly run by like Brazilians, I think, that that went that moved to Australia because they you know they could fit in quite well there with the the weather and the surfing and everything. And I was part of a gym called Roots that was run by a Brazilian. But I'd, I only met the guy once. So I was training with an Aussie. Um, it was it was very different. Like it, in the in the winter we would do the gi, and in the summer we would do no gi because it was too hot. And on Fridays it was no rules, <laughs> so we, we would <laughs> like pretend to knee each other and elbow each other. And stuff. Nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, uh, having experienced uh, training in Oz myself, um, I had the pleasure of visiting Absolute okay. and the gym in, is it, is it New Manchester or just Manchester? I can't remember. Right. But, um, um, and it was just, I mean, we went at the end of the summer and, the, I mean, I've done Muay Thai gyms where they t- decide to turn the heating up, but this was, it was just a different mm. level. There is no way that you can wear a gi in the height of summer even yeah. i mean uh even in an, a, a decently yeah. conditioned room it's still it's still really tough yeah yeah i mean i'm sure lots of gyms nowadays do 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 geese throughout the year but yeah the guy was like right it's warm now no more geese like, oh, okay <laughs> that's what my uh that's what my coach uh says to me is like well that's you know the old school way is the geese for the uh geese for the winter no gee for no, the summer where it came from then yeah <laughs> but uh i mean if you look at absolute look at absolute now it's it's crazy it's one of the most um kind of astounding facilities that um yeah i i've i've had the pleasure yeah. of seeing lachlan seems like a real, real scientist a real student of the game yeah exactly so uh back back to the uk mm-hmm. <laughs> um so you you said you started with kung fu yeah, I got I got pretty obsessed with kung fu when I was at uni because uh, a guy that I was living with, my friend Theo, introduced me to it. it but he just he kind of really like romanticised it. You know, it was really it was just really fun training with him, and he kind of you know I bought into the whole thing, the whole Bruce Lee thing, the whole all the movies from China and you know and Hong Kong cinema. I was just really into it, and then ended up yeah. quitting university and moving to Australia because there was a guy in Chinatown there and it, he had like an international school where you, if you studied there, you'd get a visa and stuff. It was like, I don't think my parents were too happy that I chucked uni in to go and do Kung Fu over there. But um, yeah, that was it in the beginning. Yeah. I got, um, we, we got the shit kicked out of me one night. Um, having you know, been told that I was some sort of invincible kung fu master, and then realised that that was just complete bollocks. And yeah. was that literally the fuck this moment? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. Living. I mean, it, it wasn't quite that sudden, but that you know, that we we just got beaten up by a bunch of like massive island dudes, and nothing worked. And also, I, I absolutely crapped my pants, and I and I realised that. I, I realized it was like it was like a moment of clarity where I was like, "Wow, the entire self-defense industry is a scam," because if yeah. you haven't, you know, like it doesn't matter how hard you train, nothing will prepare you for like a guy that just wants to knock your head off for no reason, you know, and the the kind of like uh, emotional intensity that that generates. I was like, "You can't, you can't prepare for this. 
you just cannot prepare. That was my opinion. Now, now I think that yeah. being it, doing jujitsu, even though I don't treat it as a self-defense art at all, but as a like a full contact sport, I actually think that probably has prepared me better than any you know self-defense classes could. Yeah, any kind of strike, maybe striking focused art would be. Yeah, I know. I think I think it's the sporting aspect that does it. I think it's the like uh, as, the being able to go full power. I think that's the key. Yeah, that kind of. I mean, people, you you kind of get used to people talk about it when they compete. It's like that getting used to that adrenaline rush and getting used to yeah. kind of the aspect of essentially someone in front of you wants to go a hundred percent and you know you know try and take you apart if they have to mm. and you 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 need to kind of be okay with that yeah yeah competing is although it's safe it's uh yeah it's really it's incredibly nerve-wracking it's probably the closest to what happens in when somebody starts starts fighting you know tries to start a fight with you you get a similar like adrenaline dump so yeah and i mean uh I don't know how much time on the, uh, the day of the event you're you actually get to spend maybe uh people watching or enjoying your own uh, show for Polaris but uh do you, do you, is it in quite intriguing I'm sure kind of um seeing different people get ready and prepare and how they mentally prepare when you're coming across all these kind of quite a uh, mixed variety of uh athletes mm-hmm. from your kind of Nicky Rods oh my god to yeah kind of on Davies and stuff like that I mean people must warm up and train and kind of some people want to get into a particular I know uh for example Jed Hugh he kind of essentially carries the same demeanor um onto the mats as uh kind of as when he warms Mm. up and there are other people I'm sure who are very different yeah well um we've gradually like you know me and Ben and the the partners sort of thing that, that own it we our responsibilities are kind of gradually lessening as the show grows. Like in the beginning, we did everything, uh, and we wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be able to sit down for one second. But now we get a little bit of of, uh, of a chance to do that. It's really nice um, to see the show. I think the last one was probably one of my favourites. I believe it was the last one. We did it in in Cardiff in a brand new um, convention centre. It was this. It was just amazing. Like the crowd was amazing. The light lighting was amazing. The sound was amazing. The fights were really good. And I just remember sitting there and just looking around, being like, "Yeah, this is this is really cool." But um, seeing people warm up, yeah, Nick, Nicky Rod is a maniac. He, uh, I think we went to we went to an open mat the night before, and he was just double legging people for forty five minutes straight and just flinging them around the room, like literally the night before the event um some yeah most jiu-jitsu guys are pretty crazy about training like they want to train as much as possible right up until the show so we you know if, if polaris is ever in town and there's an open mat you just got to get there because you'll see everybody from the show and you'll be able to roll with them i mean it's a bit of a mad thing when you think about it because there's not many other sports no in the world where you're going to find professional athletes train a training with kind of your average Joe blogs essentially. Um, but also the night before they're about to compete yeah. and have little to no concern about no. it. Yeah. It's pretty crazy when you think about it, it's still one of the rare sports where yes, the top level guys are still quite approachable and yeah. Yeah. 
And is that is that I mean, we uh, kind of touched on what drew you to BJJ, but uh, in terms of kind of what kept you here, what was it about jujitsu that kind of really was made you kind of double down on it? Um, I love the uh, I love the uh, the kind of therapeutic aspect of it, where it's just you know I don't think it's unique to BJJ. I think it's you, I think it can happen in any any uh, activity that requires a lot of focus, but you you just don't think about anything else for the hour or two that you're at the at the gym. Uh, your mind is basically clear. It's focused on only trying not to get choked and trying to choke the other person. That's really nice. Um, I like the social aspect of it. I'm completely addicted to it as a like a thing that I'm trying to get better at. Um, yeah. And yeah, just just really enjoy it. I've been missing it like crazy. I mean, I, I was going to ask when you were talking about it, um, what, I mean, what has it been like for you with, uh, have you been just binging, uh, uh, binging like instructionals? Have you been no. uh, just focusing on the scramble stuff? What what have you been up to? Mm, well, I had, I've got two kids. So my, uh, my day, <laughs> that's yeah, pretty yeah, busy. Exactly. Then. So there hasn't been any quiet days at all, you know, um, and I also got a really bad neck injury just at, just before lockdown started. So I actually probably wouldn't have been on the mats for a month or two anyway. Um, so I've been like rehabbing my neck every day, um, uh, trying trying to stay healthy, like doing loads of walking and uh, a little bit of kettlebells and some weightlifting when I get to the office, but not as much as I should I should really be doing. Um, but yeah, I'm just missing. I don't, nothing, you know, no other activity really replaces that. Uh, what you do at jujitsu? No, I mean, I, it's it's quite it's quite funny if you like if you look at all your friends who've got kind of any kind of Instagram or Facebook, mm. and uh, they they who do jujitsu, and you you kind of look at what their hobbies they've been mm. doing, and it's quite amusing. There's been a lot of skateboarding going yeah. on, which is I which is either going to end up is I mean to you know all of the people who uh have been succeeding that's great and well mm. done but i can i just got this image of a load of people turning up to their first jiu-jitsu cast in casts <laughs> because they've broken the leg on their table yeah, it could be and the game will screw it i'm still coming yeah. well some people just won't come they've got a new hobby now <laughs> yeah i mean uh the, the amount of memes that have been going around of uh this everyone's a blue belt now everyone's the white blue belt that this mm, yeah now. Yeah, I got. It's going to be so weird to go back. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, I mean, uh, I guess you're going to maybe have an influx in people buying a a, a gi size the, the next slide. I'm hoping. Well, yeah, maybe. I'm hoping there's a big uptake in general because it, it did it definitely slowed down a bit when people couldn't train in terms of scramble. But I, I have a friend that um, has a like a running shoe franchise like uh he's got a shop called up and running that sells running shoes and uh when they he wasn't sure what it would be like but since he opened a few days ago it has been manic he said that people just they just can't wait to start training again so i'm hoping we have a similar similar thing with jiu-jitsu yeah i can imagine and i think it's you know uh is a it's a kind of mix of both of i think during this period people are going to appreciate 
what they were doing mm. or something that they've always wanted to do. So I, I, I feel like yeah. those people who maybe were really on the edge of doing jujitsu, mm-hmm. this may really push them to go and do that. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. People that... And I, and I think... Yeah, go on. I was, I was going to say the the other thing I think as well is that kind of, I think this is the time to kind of, I'm not saying go leafleting out on the streets, but kind of grab people's attention as well. Yeah, I think so. Just realizing how important it is to stay healthy. I think one of the main factors of, of coronavirus, how it affects you with how, you know, what sort of shape you're in. Not, yeah. Obviously there are exceptions to that rule, but in general, people that were looking after themselves would fare better. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's that funny thing of though uh, is that I doubt when you try and describe to people the fitness for jujitsu, mm. like it. I mean, there's going to be I, I myself am already already uh, uh, no knowing that I'm going to be blowing after oh, a couple God, of rounds. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that because because you just you there's there's no way you can kind of imitate that kind no. of training. No, and you know when you whenever you have a week off, it's always it's a gas and reactions time that is just gone. And it takes time to come back. And I guess that's quite uh, interesting. Have you been kind of seeing that side with the uh, setting up Polaris, kind of having a number of athletes who, uh, well, I mean, a few gyms now have been granted elite status, yeah. so they've been training kind of other people may not have certain access to the training facilities mm. as well. So has that been quite interesting for you? Yeah. Setting up this, uh, yeah, there, there were a few people that we asked if they were interested and they just said, I just can't do it. You know, I haven't had a chance to train um, a lot of, you know, a few people that have been on Polaris a few times and have uh, really good, have their own gyms and things like that. They said, no, I'm closed, so I, I can't do it. Um, and then other people were, uh, you know, by by any way they could, they were making sure that they kept training, whether it was on their own or whatever. And then now we, we connected with the UK BGJA, who made the guidelines easier to follow to uh, you know be considered as an elite sport and we've just been telling all of the athletes that they have to talk to UKBGA and make sure they're following the protocols so, mm. and uh, something I wanted to touch on because um, we it was uh, it was something I mentioned at the beginning was um, quintet yeah. um, and given your love for Japan as well I'm sure that was a really kind of kind of big moment for you yeah that was um that was crazy i i I basically hounded uh the office of kazushi sakuraba for quite a few years trying to get just you know like can i get an interview because i was i was also writing when i was working in an office job and trying to start scramble i was also writing articles for like mma magazines and stuff like fighters only and i was desperate to try and any excuse to get you know in a room with sakuraba and that eventually paid off. So I, I actually met him a few times and met, met met their office a few times and everything. And then I was in Japan and I got an email from their office and, and it, inviting me to go there. And they had some, some project they wanted to talk about. And it was one of the most surreal moments of my life. I sat around a table with Sakuraba and one of the behind the scenes producers of the first Pride and a translator, and they were asking me, hmm, we want to do a jiu-jitsu show. I'm just wondering if you can give us some advice on that. And I was like, what is happening? Yeah. 
um that's how that started yeah and i mean so and and from that point you kind of formed your own little marvel's avengers of, so that, uh, yeah of competitors to this, team to this day that's probably one of the best just 24 hours of my life or, or 48 hours it was absolutely nuts we got a yeah they said we're doing this you know they they put the event together they had they had a good budget to spend uh we put a really good team together they wanted a gracie because they wanted uh, the gracie versus sakuraba angle um so yeah. we brought in uh oh my mind's gone completely blank uh, oh gregor gregor gracie who's, who's one of one of the yes. nicest people I'm, I'm yeah one of the nicest people i've ever met he came over and then a load of other people that have been on the scramble uh, on the polaris it was incredible they laid on like a really nice hotel they ferried the competitors around to different like press conferences and did interviews um and then the uh, the event was in the sumo arena and lenny hart the screaming pride lady was announcing and then and then team polaris just absolutely crushed it and me and ben were sat at the side of the mat just just losing our minds <laughs> it's like this crazy show yeah it was really good keep, keep having to pinch oh, yourself just man, to make yeah, sure it's it is just constant real. goosebumps especially when yeah, and I mean, yeah go ahead just sorry. watching and the, just the team did so well like dan strauss put put uh two guys to sleep and then the guy they said to craig jones oh there's no heel hooks and he went mm, okay and then he spent about 10 minutes adjusting his normal heel hook finishes with gregor gracie i think and he was like yeah i can just do knee bars and then he went out and just knee barred like the entire sambo team and ah oh, it was just incredible it was incredible it, I mean, it was it was it was really cool because it was it was this brand new mm. thing as like a as as kind of someone uh, who trains in the uk and anyone who kind of was from like uk jiu-jitsu suddenly you had this brand new format where you'd never seen before and like we were talking about the grand prix the the narrative mm. behind that is just so powerful it's incredible and then it, it it is just i mean it, in some ways just pure genius mm. um and then yeah and then ha- seeing kind of essentially the the unofficial uk team yeah. wreck shot and i mean uh, the way dan was lauded yeah. uh was it, he was like it, it, after i think after the f- second person he put mm. to sleep kind of the crowd everyone was like, around him was looking, like, looking like he was a god it was brilliant yeah. yeah it was it was absolutely mind-blowing and and none of the excitement is by mistake that there's a guy behind it called mr y he's a bit he's like very behind the scenes but it, it, it's all planned <laughs> and, you know it's like Right, we're going to have the team. They're going to sit next to each other. There's going to be a camera on the team, so you can see all of their reaction. And we're going to have, you know, um, the, all, like even the round beginning bell and the round ending bell. That it's really loud, and you know, on purpose. And uh, it, it just thinks of of everything, you know, to to make it an interesting spectator sport. Like, remember how in the pride in pride, the the referees would go ape shit like at, at the end, like if. If there was a submission, yeah. he'd be like, stop! And then the bell began, ding, ding, ding. And he'd like fly across the ring and grab the guy. Like that's all on purpose, you know, because if the casual, if a casual observer is watching, like we've made the mistake in, in Polaris once or twice where the match ends and it's just like, 
the referee's like, yep, finished. You know, if, if a casual observer tuned in for five minutes, he'd be like, what the hell just happened? But if you, you know, did, you, did that really make you think about that? Well, that, that's what they were saying. That the, the quintet's whole aim was like they want it to be big. It's not just jujitsu fans because that's a, that's a limited audience. They wanted it. They want it to become like a global sport. So they, that's why Yuki Nakai would come on after every submission and explain what happened, and that's why the, everything was really obvious and over the top. The referees were like in their uniforms, standing there, making like big hand movements, and you know it was all planned. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it's, a, it's 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 essentially that kind of thing of you you if you go to if you turned up at a, an Olympic sport, especially any of the combat ones. I mean, boxing it's pretty easy to tell who's winning mm. a fight. Yeah, <laughs> um, if if it's going one way, um, but sometimes when you go into things watching the judo or the wrestling, mm. if you if you're not understanding the minutia of the rules, it can be really difficult for a layman to watch it and to enjoy it. Yeah, I agree with you, but I think they hold up much better than jiu-jitsu does. Oh yeah, most like, definitely. Have you ever seen a boring wrestling match? It's true. Yeah, I mean the the, the wrestling almost um, forces excitement. It does. It forces the action, and it's really short rounds. I, I still think pro jiu-jitsu has a long way to go. Like we're we're working on a couple of things in the background with that in mind, but um, yeah, there's there's a bit too much uh, adhesion to the old kind of the old rules, which is great for finding out who's the best at jiu-jitsu but not it's not super exciting unless you have absolute stud athletes that like you know like uh i don't know gary turnon comes to mind like he's not interested in doing anything except winning in the most spectacular way possible you know yeah and those i mean they, it it's fantastic that we have entertainers in the sport but you almost you almost don't want to kind of feel the need to have kind of just just people who are there to entertain if the sport itself and the rule set itself can allow that to mm. happen yeah there's, there's just yeah we haven't we haven't got the perfect rule set yet but working on it we'll get we'll get there i mean i remember hearing i think it was dan strauss talk about it once about running a, a cleos where with some random rule set mm. like you'd pick You'd pick a. Everyone would pick a, like a card out of a hat, essentially, at the beginning of the mm. match, and that was the only submission that you were allowed to finish the fight mm-hmm. with. Any other submission, and the fight just carried right. on, and things like that, and just kind of, or uh, you're only allowed to do strangles, or you're only allowed to do chokes, uh, or like locks, or something like that. Yeah, just and just, I think you know, experimentation with kind of maybe rule yeah, sets. For sure. For uh, sure. Is, is not a bad thing we see we've we're starting you know we have adcc we have ebi ebi uh, you know when it started was kind of this new exciting mm. kid on the block um of having kind of this overtime rule and the anticipation of what could happen in overtime mm. even if someone's getting crushed the whole time they may win on the overtime yeah i'm not a massive fan of that but it was definitely fresh and different yeah yeah, and it kind of, and I think we we just need to maybe encourage that a bit more. So I'm I'm intrigued now. You've caught you've definitely caught my interest. Mm. So let's let's see what's. Well, the, the the tournament rule set is a is a is a a good kind of next stage, but it's it's not the final stage. I don't say that much. Mm. 
it's it's if if we're going to use Pokemon, it's the uh, we're we're not we're not at the final evolution. That's right. <laughs> so, um, kind of going back to this particular um, Polaris, kind of, is there any athletes that maybe people should, if they don't know already, should look out for? Maybe kind of, you know, not underdogs necessarily because they're. Like we say, anyone on there could win on any given day. But is there anyone that maybe people should look out for? I'm really excited to see all of them. Really excited yeah. to see everybody there. But um, just a couple that stand out, uh, apart from the obvious names. But um, Dominic Dominic Dillon came and competed at the first contenders and was so good, being being quite small. Just really exciting, uh, really interesting style. I think because he does. It's not just jiu-jitsu, is it? He's done a bit of catch wrestling. He's very good at catch wrestling, I think. And uh, I think he's done a bit of MMA too. And then um, Silvio. I'm really, ha- really excited to see how Silvio does because he's got such a solid uh, grappling background. Um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's, I mean, uh, it's like you say, I think maybe even if you only know 50% of the people on this uh uh, on this Grand Prix, it, it just makes for a really exciting watching. Yeah, I'm genuinely excited. Um, and also, I, I don't know if I, if I should be saying this, but we're recording it. It's, it's not quite live um, just because of the logistics of the thing. So I'm actually really looking forward to being at home and watching it like a viewer on Saturday night. So you, are, are you making sure? Are you uh, making sure that anyone there does not text you or WhatsApp you like the results? Yes. Well, no, no, I'm I'm going to know the results, but I don't want anyone else to know. Them. So yeah, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be, uh, but it's just gonna be nice being at home and watching it on on Fight Pass, which normally we don't get to do. You know. Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of how how did that feel when you kind of got Polaris on uh, on Fight Pass and kind of got uh, essentially kind of on probably one of the biggest MMA online platforms? Yeah, that was huge. And uh, I mean, they, yeah, we get we get quite a lot of praise from them. They, we we ran, we did the first show ourselves, and then the second show we hooked up with Flow Grappling. Uh, we did the third show ourselves and got pretty good numbers, uh, just on pay per view. But it was it was real hard work doing all that ourselves. Yeah, we we paid various companies good money, and they they all didn't do as good a job as they, they should have done. And then I got the connection to Fight Pass through, I think, Kenny Florian. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, like he, he was asking if he could be on the show, which we were well up for. Um, and then at the same time, I said, oh, by the way, do you know anybody at Fight Pass? And then we had a we had a conversation with them on the phone and told them what the numbers that we were doing. And they were like, yeah, let's get you on the network. We were, yes. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, it's it's beautifully coinciding as well. I don't know what the timings are like. Maybe I'm sure you do. Um, mm. But with the first Fight Island, Island which is uh, which is very cool as a kind of uh, as two kind yeah. of very historical double uh, header uh, combat sports events are happening. Yeah, but we do really well when we coincide with the UFC weekend because in general, fight fight pass will have more people watching it. Um, so if we if we go out at a similar sort of time, ideally, ideally like just before a, a, a regular UFC event, then we we get loads of viewers. So yeah, 
And uh, do you, you know, if there, if there any kind of hopes that you're going to get out of this Grand Prix? Is there is are you looking for? Are you hoping that kind of people are going to latch onto this Grand Prix format, or is there any kind of things that you really want people to get out of this apart from obviously really enjoying the show? No, we just want to get back to making shows. We, we want we want to see the Grand Prix format do well, and then we want genuinely are happy to be providing you know 10 athletes with a little bit of money in their pockets and one one athlete with a lot of money in their pockets and another you know just a bringing bringing back a set sort of sense of normality for these guys that have made jiu-jitsu their career i mean is that uh i've got kind of the first question is a is there a giant check because they are really mm-hmm. hope I actually think there is a giant check. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't arrange it myself. But I think uh, somebody else has arranged that. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's brilliant. And the other one was kind of you, you touched on supporting athletes, um, mm. and something that obviously you guys have had the opportunity to be able to provide as Scramble is supporting athletes during their career. You know, with sponsorship, whether big or small. Mm. And some of these people you've been sponsoring, I mean, um, ages ago, Ross Nichols posted a photo of like the old, I think him being sponsored from like years and years ago and like the old mm. school crew and but mm. kind of like being able to help support athletes through their careers. That meant a lot to you. Yeah. I mean, we've scrambled like 10 or 11 years old now. And, and in the beginning, it was literally just, you know, uh, a guy would wear the wear the t-shirt and we'd both be really happy you know they'd be like yeah free t-shirt and we'd be like oh look all he get is wearing our t-shirt and uh you know that went on for, for quite a while and then the industry is obviously changing you know we're trying to help people out financially wherever we can because everybody needs money to live um yeah we're just we have a good group now of athletes um you know everybody everybody not everybody is on the same kind of deal or arrangement but i think we make sure that everybody's happy with what they've got and uh yeah i mean the yeah it's a str- industry is in a strange place there's, there's a weird upper echelon of guys that are commanding like insane fees and uh but they don't last you know the maybe the, the companies struggle i think when if they if they acquiesce to those kind of demands but yeah that's i mean a, that's a big topic no that that is a big topic and it's it's quite interesting actually because you uh as kind of you know you uh, obviously anyone who is involved in a business in a particular sector usually well i'd hope loves that business and loves that area mm-hmm. and obviously anyone who runs anything jujitsu related loves it and they wouldn't be doing it if they didn't mm. um well i'd hope again i'd hope so <laughs> Hmm. But um, so it it can be, I'm sure, quite difficult when you're stuck between kind of the love of the sport and then the business of the sport as well. Oh, it's really hard. It's really hard, especially when we're talking to new and not so much. Scramble's fine. Like, you know, we have our group and that's that's fine. But Polaris is hard because especially when we talk to a new athlete, I think we give off a really good image. Eh? We have good design. We have good uh posters we have good broadcast good video everything people think we're absolutely loaded and we're not so we when we speak to a new athlete and they're like well i need 20 grand it's like yeah i would love to give you 20 grand but it's just not going to happen right like it's just not that the industry is not there you know yeah. um 
Yes. So as yeah, you're always torn. You know, I want to give these guys. We all want to. We'd happily hand the money over if if the industry could support it, but it just can't at the moment. So. Yeah, I mean, is that is that something that kind of, I mean, you you've been doing jujitsu um, for so long, kind of as uh, training wise as well. Has that kind of been uh, something that you've looked at? Gone, oh, I wish I could go training today, but actually, in a weird way, jujitsu is taking me away from training in a different form. What do you mean? In terms of like a business way, is like you're kind of you're having to kind of I don't know work on scramble, even though you want to go training or something like that. Yeah, no, I've, I'm long, I've long resigned myself to my training schedule. I, I just train two nights a week, basically, and that's it. You know, it doesn't, I mean, if I was going to try and compete again this year, and if I'd done that, then I would have sacrificed a few mornings or lunch times um, to go. But yeah, I'm, I'm very much uh, like a hobbyist now. Well, I mean, I'm sure the Scramble HQ and uh, uh, I am intrigued to be just how much kit is lying around in terms of <laughs> mat, the odd mat or a well, kettlebell we, we, or something like that. We've got a we've got a, a good weight set up. We've got a squat rack and a not a squat rack, like a yeah, it is a squat rack, a basic one, um, and some Olympic Olympic barbells and all that stuff. And the quarter of the a quarter of the warehouse is matted, but is unfortunately covered in boxes and stuff at the moment. So, <laughs> yeah, we used to we used to roll fairly regularly, but you know, as the company got a bit busier and you know the mat space started to get covered, we do that less and less. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, what what made you want to compete again this year? Um, because I hate competing. It, that's really interesting. I'm glad you. I'm, I'm quite glad you said that. Um, well. Uh, is it was it purely kind of kind of throw yourself in yeah well, I, I i spent um the majority of my sort of uh com- competition sort of career i suppose you could call it that what really wasn't a career but you know uh in japan and my yeah. my coach was the kind of coach he just forced you to compete you just had no choice and i that that worked for me because otherwise i wouldn't have done it so he, he'd be like right there's a competition next weekend matt you're doing it oh, okay and that made me compete quite a lot even though i didn't like it and then when i came back to england i didn't really have you know people don't really do that here well i don't know but the gyms gyms that i was at they're not forcing you they're like yeah you can compete compete if you want if you don't want to it's no big deal so it was all quite self-motivated and you know it's just that thing of forcing yourself to do the things you don't want to do or things that you don't like for personal growth yeah i mean (laughs) That's very bold of you. At least, like uh, hmm. some people don't like to deny, uh, don't like to admit that they don't, uh, they don't particularly enjoy competing. Um, oh, yeah, I suck at it as well. So. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, have you competed at black belt before? Uh, nope. I, I I changed gyms a few years ago, to, uh, and now I'm training with Jeff Lawson at, at Ipon Gym, and um, started to have really good training and feeling quite comfortable at brown belt and i did i did a competition against another tough brown belt and um uh, i can't remember i think it was a, i lost on points but i felt like oh, i'm getting the hang of this again you know i felt relatively comfortable there and then i got my black belt like a week later i was like oh fuck <laughs> now what am i gonna do so yeah i just need I to mean, train you, hard you should yeah, I mean, uh, 
I don't think you'd throw yourself in like this, but um, <laughs> you could you could set up like a owner versus owner um, competition <laughs> on yeah. Polaris. Battle of the brands, yes. Battle of the brands. Oh my god, it writes itself. It has been discussed. All right. Um, well, uh, I, I, I look forward to seeing kind of mm. scramble, scramble versus the world. Got, or I, I got, I got to defeat uh, Gareth from Tatami's annoying half guard game. That's what I got to do. <laughs> well, this is the thing as well: is you start to know each other so well that it, it makes it mm. even more interesting. Yeah, no, I, I do really look forward to the those kind of days leading up to the show because we all get up there early, get in the hotels, you know, do go to open mats, and it's nice. It's a good environment around the around the events usually when coronavirus isn't a thing. <laughs> well, hopefully it'll be over soon. Yeah. Um, well, we've got one last bit to do before mm-hmm. we kind of um, close up. So uh, it's a quick fire round. Yeah. And uh, it's a few questions, and we'll see. We'll see where they lead. Okay. Cool. Are we ready? Hmm. So the first one is the dream matchup to make. Hmm. Dream matchup. Uh, I'd probably go old. Uh, old school. I'd probably try and tempt like Rafael Mendes out of retirement and Marcelo or something like that. Some kind of old well, school matchup, I think. I, I mean, Marcelo's hasn't he said that he he is going to do the next ADCC? Yeah, that's true. That's true. So you, you, that's that's one that's one done. So you yeah. just need to, you just need to coax uh, Rafael, and you're uh, you're sweet. You're ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Probably need a lot more money for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one is uh, your favorite Polaris fight of all the kind of. Sh- fights that you've put on is there is there one that stands out as maybe most entertaining or most competitive or something like that uh, i think i think uh, we've got gary Tonon and Paul harris that almost exists in a class of its own you know that that's yeah. that's incredible um really enjoyed uh sebastian brosh versus tommy langaka in the gi that was amazing yeah that was a really good fight to watch and uh yeah, the, the, the Gary Tone and Polaris fight, it, you, you are right in the sense that it just, it kind of, you, you could have put that on its separate show, on a separate mm. show, and people would have tuned in because it was, it, it, it was just, uh, unbelievable to watch. So good. So good. And we were legitimately scared for Gary's safety in the beginning. So the, the nerves when that fight started was just, I was just on the side of the stage, like trying not to have a heart attack. It was amazing. <laughs> And and the more it went on, the more you just like. I think uh, sometimes people, uh, Gary, especially with kind of the rise of um, the other people in the Danaher team, um, kind of people forgot. Similar to I think like ADCC, kind of we were going. You know, there was so much focus on kind of Gordon Ryan and his him being able to kind of do the double and things like that. Mm. And then suddenly you, you, you remember just how good Gary Tonnen is. Yeah. When he flying, he hooked Edwin Najmi in about four seconds. It's just, it's, it's just mm. a beautiful thing to watch. Mm. Uh, favorite place, right. Um, so if you were to stick something that you say a lot or like a personal motto on a t-shirt, what would it be? If you were to like do a new scramble t-shirt <laughs> or like, or maybe a swear word if you swear a lot. I'm not sure. A personal motto. 
I'd probably steal something from Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Mm, clean your room. <laughs> clean your room. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure it could be done. I'm sure you you could think out of a think of a Scramble S graphic to do for clean your room. Yeah, I'm t- I'm tempted. To, yeah, I wanted to make the lobster gee. I don't know if you if you uh, know anything about Jordan Peterson. I ha- I don't know about the lobster. I'll have to have a, have a look. Just to, yeah, Google Jordan Peterson lobster. You'll see. <laughs> okay. Um, a quick one: Acai, yay or nay? Yay, yay. Big mm. yay, or kind of like like are we going to see it like being served at Polaris, like they do that mm. ice cream at a theatre? Not too big of a yay. Just uh, I'll get one at every competition. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of uh, it seems like uh, a guest favorite for this one. Uh, if someone was to play you in a movie, who would it be? And if so, what kind of movie would it be? Yeah, does it have to be an actor? Yeah, it can be an actor. Ah, damn! I don't know who would play me. I mean, funny enough, I was looking at the photo of you, and and I'm going to butcher his name now, Adam Varginsky. Yeah, and you do kind of bar the. You look kind of similar. If he cut his yeah, hair, yeah, a few people said that. A few people said that, kind of and I've been so, I've been told I look like Carlos Condit as well. Yeah, I can see that too. So <laughs> maybe one of them two can play you. And I'm thinking yeah. a Karate Kid esque vibe, given the kind of kung fu story as well. Yeah, definitely that works for me. <laughs> yeah, so like you know, rather than kind of wax on wax off, he was kind of in the mean streets of Melbourne. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, doing Kung Fu and then playing Counter-Strike in a Korean yeah. net cafe for the rest of the day. That was my Is that, days. Oh, that, <laughs> I didn't realise that that, that that was the other time. You, that, is that the bit of the, that you may have not mentioned to your parents? Uh, yeah, yeah. Except for like every month or two when I went, I've got no money, can I have some money? Yeah. <laughs> it's fine, it's a lifetime away now. It's all in the past. I, ha- I haven't always been that busy, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then the uh, uh, coffee, yay or nay as well? Absolutely, yes. I was going to say coffee and chokes, right? Yeah, love coffee. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, um, thank you for coming on. I think it's been uh, be really interesting to hear about kind of, uh, A, the the way kind of maybe the business side of jujitsu works, and mm. B, just like talking about Polaris uh and uh kind of what we've got looking forward to is going to be really interesting yeah thanks for thanks for having me on i enjoyed the chat thank you